Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Today, we're talking about updates within the MVAA and some exciting things that are happening that you may not know about. Joining us to discuss that today is Katie Golden, the Special Events Coordinator for the MVAA. Also joining us today will be John Stauffer, the Resource Center Tech Manager, and Lindell Holm, the Director of the Michigan Veterans Trust Fund. We have some great information for you today. We want to make sure you get your calendars out, that you are able to write down these websites, and make sure that you're able to attend some of these things that we have going on. So we hope that you will uh, stay tuned and stick around, because we'll be right back on The Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. And as you know, um, I, a lot of times I spend this time talking about some of the things that we have going on um, in the agency, maybe what's in the news, what's happening. And, you know, we are we are fast approaching Veterans Day and we have some exciting events coming up around Veterans Day. You know, first off, I wanted to mention that um, Detroit was chosen by the VA secretary uh, Dennis McDonough as a regional site for Michigan to host Veterans Day events. So we're really excited to be participating in a parade that Dick Chapman and his group puts on down in Corktown on November 6th. But right before that, we have this amazing event that we will be doing for the second year and it's the Veterans Gala. And joining me to talk about all the logistics and all the fun things that are going to be happening is Katie Golden, our events coordinator at the MVAA. Welcome back to the show, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for joining. And so we have this great event coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about what the, like, you know, what the event is about and, and what's the purpose? I'd love to. Thank you so much for, for asking. So this is our second annual Veterans Gala. We hosted this last year at Selfridge at the uh, helicopter hangar, um, but we chose to um, increase it a little bit bigger this year. So um, we have reserved the Lansing Center and we'll be um, taking over their exhibit halls um, to have a regal night of uh, dancing and there's going to be a big award ceremony, um, great food, and lots of people enjoying each other's company. Um, both veterans, uh, civilians, current guard members, and lots of fun. Lots of fun. Um, we had we had close to 500 people last year, right? We sure did. It was a, a big bunch of uh, happy people um, dressed all in their finery. It was um, so nice to see uh, ball gowns and, and medals, and um, it was really impressive. Yeah, it was. And, and, and I will say our awards nomination process has closed already. Um, and so we received awards for all those categories. Can you tell us what categories we can expect to see awardees from? Absolutely. Uh, so there's seven award categories that the uh, MVAA is hosting. There's the uh, 2022 Veteran of the Year, the MVAA and Trust Fund Exceptional Service Award, the Veteran Friendly Volunteer of the Year, the Community Outreach and Regional Engagement Award, also known as CORE, the DMVA Employee of the Year, the VA Employee of the Year, and the Veteran Service Provider of the Year. That's great. You know, and it's, you know, I would encourage 
anyone out there to come see some of the great individuals who are going to be honored for all of their great work that they're doing in, in Michigan for veterans, from VA employees to, you know, state uh, MVAA or State Department of Military and Veterans Affairs employees to, you know, uh, veteran advocates and veteran nonprofits out there. I mean, this is a great opportunity to, you know, see your peers and dressed up, right? Um, but also see some of those folks who are still actively serving our country and and celebrate, celebrate. So, so um, how much are tickets? So tickets are $60 per person. They include admission, a strolling buffet, non-alcoholic beverages, but a cash bar will be available. And the event is open to the public. And we'd love for everybody to attend. And uh, proceeds from the event will go to the National Guard Association of Michigan's Veteran Support Grant. That's great. And, you know, the National Guard Association of Michigan, they're doing some great things. They're doing the uh, 54 by 24 with trying to get, you know, 54 service dogs into hands of veterans. And then they're also, they also have this fund that can help not only National Guard members, but also those who are veterans with emergency assistance potentially. So the proceeds from this will go to that. And so I know we're looking for attendees, still accepting sponsors at this time, correct? We sure are. We um, are actively uh, accepting sponsorships um, and we would uh, love for some assistance to really make this um, event be the best it can be. Absolutely. So where can people find out more information about where to buy a ticket, maybe what to wear, uh, where can they sponsor, where can they sponsor a veteran to attend, like where can they find more information about that? Uh, So I'll give you a couple website links. So if you have a pencil and paper, if you'd like to write this down, to uh, purchase a ticket online, it's through the National Guard Association of Michigan's website, and that um, address is www.ngam.org slash 2022-GALA, G-A-L-A. That's where to purchase a ticket. Um, similar website if you'd like to sponsor, and we'd be more than happy to uh, send you a sponsor packet, um, I would suggest uh, sending me an email and I'll be glad to share that with you. My email address is goldenk1 at michigan.gov. That's G-O-L-D-E-N-K-1 at michigan.gov. That's great information, Katie. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited. There's going to be, I know there'll be dignitaries there. There will be, you know, officers and enlisted and, you know, veterans and spouses and retirees and community advocates. So I'm really excited to see this. And, and people are coming from all over the state, correct? You are correct. Definitely from all over the state, they'll be traveling. We did uh, get some hotel room blocks too at um, both the Radisson and the Courtyard by Marriott. And they were very generous to um, allow the hotel room cost to be uh, just $85 a night um, plus required taxes and fees. Well, that's great. So those are going to go fast. So, you know, make sure you contact the Radisson and Lansing, which is, you know, not far from the, uh, I think, is that the one that's connected to the Lansing Center? You are correct. It's connected by a pedestrian walkway. You don't even have to go outside. Awesome. So make sure that you call if you're going to be coming from across the state, um, or if you just want to stay that night as rooms will be going quickly. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about this, Katie. And I hope to see all of you at the gala on November 5th. So thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right, we'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective with uh, John Stoffer and Lindell Holm.
Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Joining me as our next guest are John Stauffer and Lindell Holm from the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. John Stauffer is the manager of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency's Veteran Resource Service Center. He's proud to be serving those who served us all. His previous positions include Executive Director at Helping Hands Respite Care, Manager for Holiday Retirement, Inc., and Business Consultant and Business Owner of Stafford Realty. He has served on many boards and nonprofits over the years to include the Boy Scouts of America, United Way, Habitat for Humanity, Michigan Realtors Association, Substance Abuse Council of Greater Battle Creek, and Battle Creek Association of Realtors. He earned his bachelor's from Michigan State University in materials logistics management and a master's in business administration from Camel State University. In his free time, he enjoys working with wood, logic puzzles, and spending as much time as possible with his grandchildren. Our second guest during these segments is Lindell Holm, who is retired as a lieutenant colonel from the Marine Corps in 2013 and now serves as the director of the Michigan Veterans Trust Fund, which provides emergency grants to Michigan wartime era veterans. He served 25 years as a helicopter pilot and completed several deployments in combat and non-combat operations. He was the site commander for Marine Wing Support Group 47 at Selfridge Air National Guard Base from 2009 to 2013. His awards and decorations include Meritorious Service Medal, Air Medal with Bronze Star Device, and Numeral Two, Armed Forces Expeditionary Service Medal, Southwest Asia Service Medal, Afghanistan Campaign Medal, Global War on Terror Service Medal, Defense National Defense Service Medal, and the Skorotsky Lifesaving Award, two of those. He received a master's degree in Christian apologetics from Biola University in 2001 and completed his undergraduate work at the University of Minnesota. He lives in Rochester Hills with his wife, Gina, and their three children. Welcome back to the show, both of you. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, um, you know, we are talking today about some of the uh, things that we have going on at the MBAA, some of the new updates. And um, I wanted to bring you all back because, you know, it's been a while since I had you, since we talked anything about what's going on in the Resource Center. So, um, you know, John, we've been working hard. I know um, you've been working hard since you've been here. Definitely been putting in a lot of work since uh, 2019, especially during the pandemic. Can you talk about some of the things that have happened in the Resource Center since you've been on board with them, VAA? Well, one of the most exciting things that's happened as I have uh, been with the MVAA is been you, Director, because when you came on board, you uh, allowed us to go to full staff within the Resource Center. And that means we have eight technicians that are, are answering calls and responding to veterans, a team lead and myself. And the value of that is that it allows us to be able to expand in the roles that we're playing in. As COVID has receded, now we're in a position where we can do more events. And with a team of eight technicians and a team lead, I can actually perform two live events at, on the same day and still have enough staffing available to take care of those veterans and their family members who call in on a daily basis. Well, that's great. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't pay you to say that for sure, but um, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, we are working at full staff because we have so many, I know we have veterans calling all the time. Can you, can you give us potentially an estimate of how many calls you're receiving maybe a day or a week? Well, let's let, we'll break it backwards. Um, this year we'll receive over 30,000 calls this year we'll have over 40,000 touches to a veteran. And when I say a touch, I mean 
we are not only getting calls, we're seeing an expansion of veterans emailing us and using the website. And that changes the dynamic of how our technicians work with those veterans. And, and if you take that number of 40,000 and you break that down backwards to uh, uh, a month and to a week and to a day, you're looking at about 150 uh, contacts with a veteran a day, whether that be via email or mail or the website or calls, which is still the general way we receive our, our information is via calls from both family members and veterans, but we're seeing the website gaining ground quickly on that. Yeah. Well, that, you know, and, and that's important too, because that means people are, I mean, people are calling for different things, right? They're calling for information. What are some of the other things they're calling for? Well, the number one reason they've called us, and it has been the number one reason since we stood up as an agency, was to receive their discharge paperwork, that DD-214. Um, but we are seeing a change in that as our younger veterans are starting to reach out to us. Um, those younger veterans are aware of e-benefits and they're going out and getting that paperwork and their medical records and the DD-214s on e-benefits. And then they're calling us for other more uh, relevant reasons for to them, such as employment or quality of life or education. I think within the next two years, we're going to see that DD-214 recede and the number one call we will get will be for benefits or services from the VA. And those calls are those calls that we typically hand off to a veteran service officer. So our relationship with those veteran service officers is just going to become more and more important as time goes on. Yeah, that 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 is that's true, and that's critical. And um, you know, looking at the number of veterans we are consistently trying to drive to the agency and to the to the hotline, whether that be through this radio show or through in person events. I mean, I think it's I think it's important that they're getting connected to the resources and getting the right the right connectivity. And and so I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit. We just. We were just awarded um, our first federal grant ever for the agency for the um, Staff Sergeant uh, Parker Gordon Fox grant, $750,000. And we're going to be utilizing a, a big portion of that to bring on two more individuals, which we're going to call community analysts, if you will, to do some more, um, um, I guess, case management. And so what does that look like in, in, in the interaction for what you all do? I mean, what, what are you thinking about that? The exciting piece of that for the technicians within the Resource Service Center are that um, we have a core group of veterans who reach out to us on a regular basis. When I say regular, sometimes several times a week. And we as uh, technicians constantly try to find that right connection for them, but we've never had anything internally to deal with that. So now having these two analysts that are going to come in here, we're going to be able to take these uh, people that we wanted so badly to to serve, and we're going to be able to handle them in-house. And if those and community analysts, as you call them, are unable to handle them in-house, our hope is that they're going to have built that relationship with that veteran over time and being able to take the time and talk and work with them, that when they turn them over to another agency like the Walking with Warrior Navigators, that that veteran will then follow up because of that relationship and time that has been built with the community analyst and, and that veteran. I'm very excited and my team's very excited about this opportunity. 
Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. I mean, and I knew they're going to do some um, more suicide prevention screening and all of that. Um, you know, one of the other things I know that you're you're um, you work in the area that you work in is with buddy to buddy. So you're you're working you're you're on those meetings and talking to them and finding out the needs that they have in the community. How does that referral work? Like, how does that work for if somebody calls and they're just? I mean, what are what are you? How do you connecting people to buddies? Like, how does that work? Well, we have we have a couple of different options and it has evolved over time. But right now we, we have key people within the buddy to buddy program, the SVCEOs that we hand that referral off to. We do not make the direct contact as a technician to that buddy because um, that veteran might have a specific need. They might want to be connected to another female veteran. And if we hand it connected directly to that buddy, um, we will not be able to make that connection. So we hand it off to the uh, person who knows who all the buddies are and who the best fit is. And usually that is based on region. So we try to get them as close as we can to where that veteran lives. And then based upon whatever that veteran's preference is, if that preference, if that buddy, if that veteran has had PTSD, they might want to be speaking with somebody who's had a similar experience. So we share all the data we can, the technicians with that direct person in charge of the buddies and then that person passes it down to the individual buddies to make sure we're making the best pairing that we can possibly make. Yeah, that's good information. And you know, I have one follow-up question that I'm going to ask after the break and then we'll talk about your connectivity and how you're um, referring folks to the trust fund as well. But um but but I know that we have a great team. And so I'm really excited to be able to continue talking about this. So after the commercial break, we'll be speaking with John and Lindell from the Michigan Veterans Trust Fund. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now, your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We've been talking with John Stoffer from the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. We'll be uh, speaking with Lindell Holm. Um, but I wanted to follow up on a conversation we were just having about the buddy to buddies. So, you know, does a veteran, if they're calling in, do they have to ask for a buddy to buddy mentor or do we refer them? How is that? How is that working? That is a great question, director, because it's, it's rare that that individual that's on that phone is going to even be aware that we have a buddy-to-buddy -buddy program. So it is on our technicians who are trained to ask those questions, those probing questions, to understand if that might be a situation where a buddy would be helpful. For instance, we were talking about those people that the community analysts might help earlier. This, the person who's called in uh, several times and asked us for a phone number and we've given them that phone number and when we ask them, have you called that number? And they say no, might be a good person for a buddy because that buddy might help be able to spend the time and get and work with them to be able to get that phone call made to get them over that barrier that they've had that they've not been able to accomplish by themselves. So our technicians are trained to ask those probing questions. And if a buddy seems appropriate, we'll offer that as an opportunity. Yeah, that's great information. And so, you know, you do a lot of work really is the central point of our agency of connectivity, the resource center this resource service center is. And so one of those connection points that you have um, is right within our agency is to the Michigan Veterans Trust Fund. And so um, 
I wanted to talk with you, Lindell, a little bit about how you receive referrals and um, and and how 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 it is working with the the resource center. That's a great point to bring up because we work very closely with the resource center, and they are fantastic uh, people to work with. Uh, very knowledgeable. If they do encounter a veteran that it needs emergency assistance, they will direct uh, that veteran or that family member to the, the county office or, or directly over to my staff if it's more appropriate uh, in order to get an application going for uh, emergency assistance. And, and, you know, speaking of staff, you, you have um, staff members who do all sorts of things. They, they uh, process applications, right? They uh, draft, they write checks. You even have uh, someone who works with partners. And so can you tell us a little bit about some of those positions and how they're working to make sure veterans are getting connected to emergency assistance? Yeah, I've got a fantastic staff. I feel very blessed to be able to work with them. Uh, we've got uh, uh, a large part of the, the job they do is to process applications that are coming in from the counties where we have county agents normally located in those county uh, veterans affairs offices. And they will take applications and interview the veteran and collect, uh, basically collect all the information needed for the application and send them up to our office. And then my staff will process them, whether it uh, involves uh, paying out a, a grant, then we will do that right there in our office. We typically can turn that around very quickly. If, if it's not the same day, it'll, it'll be uh, usually the next day to send a payment out if, if a grant had been approved at the local level, the county level. Uh, then we have some counties where they do not have agents at the county level and in that case, that scenario, my staff would then begin the application process with the veteran directly. And they'll contact the veteran, uh, you know, conduct the interview, complete the application, the necessary documents, and then uh, we'll have that uh, grant uh, voted on by a, by a regional committee. And, and uh, then the same process would be, if it's approved, we'll, we'll pay it out. And uh, uh, if it's not approved, if it's not approved, then we would send out a notice of decision. Um, so we've got uh, basically three people that work that system. And then we have another person who works cases that exclusively uh, go to the board of trustees for further review, uh, usually a high dollar amount or a repetitive applicant. And uh, she works uh, on those cases specifically. And then, as you mentioned, we have uh, a relatively new position of a person who is seeking out uh, partners. And, and one, as an example, one partner we have is Habitat for Humanity that we've been working very closely with in certain parts of the state to be able to collaborate on usually larger projects, uh, more involved projects for veterans and refurbishing their homes uh, to get them, uh, get major repairs taken care of. And uh, we've been working with some other uh, organizations as well, uh, consumers and, and other places. And we're looking to expand upon that and find more partners that we can uh, basically uh, working together to be able to serve those uh, veterans in need better than we are today. Yeah, you know, the trust fund and the board, you all are doing some amazing work too. I mean, just the, 
the gains and the changes and the, and I would say the opportunities that you've had um, open for veterans in the past a few years has been has been phenomenal um and we'll talk about a couple of those but i did want to um i did want to to talk a little bit about like some of the things you were doing for food security for instance can you talk about some of the things the trust fund did to help with food insecurity yeah i'm pretty excited about that because how we got started with that was right after uh covid began and there kind of was a run on a lot of the food pantry pro uh food pantries throughout the state and uh, obviously our veterans were impacted by that. So uh, the MVAA you're, you're, uh, recognized the need there for the, uh, some food assistance programs uh, to shore up uh, this uh, now increased need for food assistance. And, and we're happy to, <laughs> happy to have uh, yourself there at the Board of Trustees meeting and to discuss that with the Board of Trustees. And, and I think they responded, uh, you know, enthusiastically to say, hey, you know, this is exactly what the trust fund can be used for in an emergency type of situation. And uh, what I love about the Food for Vets program that we did was a collaboration with MBAA. So that MBAA uh, ran the program and, and uh, the board of trustees provided the funds to, to get that going. And, and I think we did uh, help a lot of uh, a lot of veterans throughout the state. Uh, one thing we've done here recently we've, is uh, uh, the UP was a little bit more of a challenge because there's uh, uh, fewer big chain uh, mm -hmm. stores, uh, grocery stores up in the UP. So, uh, but we've, we've found a way around that. And so actually uh, for next year, we will be collaborating with uh, uh, another organization up in the UP to provide more food assistance in uh, in the that's specifically targeted in the UP. Yeah, I love it. You know, um, meeting needs right where veterans are, and that's what's important. Um, and that's, that's why I love that we all share that mission. Um, you know, and, and, and I would say, and then we have a short time before we go to commercial break, but you know, what are some of the things that may be off limits? I know there's eligibility requirements, like you have to be a wartime era veteran or 65 and older peacetime era veterans can apply as well. But are there certain things that may be off limits that don't qualify as emergency? Yeah, we we try to stick with that definition of emergent need as closely as we can. So the the assistance, the, the request needs to be unforeseen. And uh, it also needs to be a situation that would be considered short term. So in other words, if there's um, uh, a long term uh, financial like income deficit in the household uh, where they just can't manage or, or uh, sustain their living expenses, their current living expenses, that would be a challenge. Basically, that would be something that the trust fund is not designed for. Uh, a long-term type of assistance. We're, we're here for one, uh, one a hand up uh, type of assistance to uh, for a one-time type of uh, uh, need. Now, having said that, I mean, you can't apply more than once, but, mm -hmm. but the idea is that, you know, with this grant, we will resolve this particular situation for, for them. So things like credit cards and, and legal issues, those are things that would typically not be considered emergent sure. needs. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, you know, when we, turn, when we return from commercial break, we'll be speaking with you and John just to kind of uh, tie up how you all really work together. So we'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective.
All right, welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Uh, joining me um, in our final uh, section here is John Stoffer and Lindell Holm. We've been talking about the Michigan Veterans Resource Service Center and the Michigan Veterans Trust Fund. And so, you know, you know, veterans call into our line and they, they may talk to you, John. And then um, what, what triggers them getting sent over to the Michigan Veterans Trust Fund? Well, there's a couple different things, Director, that could actually happen, and, and I'm very proud of the fact that one of the things the MVRSC, the Michigan Veteran Resource Service Center, is, is the front door for the Michigan Veteran Trust Fund. I mean, they literally don't even have a phone number. They People reach them through us to begin with, and mm -hmm. I, I think that's awesome because that's how intertwined uh, we are as a working unit within the MVAA. But again, when, when a veteran calls in and they have a specific need, as Lindell shared earlier, if it's an emergent need, um, and depending on that, we'll listen whether their car won't start or they need transportation to work or their septic system went bad or they need a ramp on the front of their house. We have other resources for that. But if it looks like it's one of the best fits from the trust fund, we usually will go to the trust fund as our default for that. And then if the if the trust fund decides that this is not the best fit, that there might be another thing, then we'll work together to make sure we get the veteran to the appropriate uh, resource to be able to handle what their request was. Yeah, that's 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 a great process. And, and so for those out here who may be wondering, you know, do I call or how do I get this information? Be transparent. You know, if you're calling in for your D214, for instance, because you're trying to upload it to look for jobs, say that because we could get you connected to jobs um, and we can get you connected to that emergency assistance potentially but we don't we don't know what we don't know and the resource service center techs are not going to probe you to find out everything that's going on in your life so we're here to help we're here to connect you um, and we're here to connect you to resources like the trust fund and so um, you know Lindell you did some other things throughout the last couple of years, like you worked with an entrepreneurship program, you know, you've done some other things. Can you talk about some of those other unique things that the trust fund has done to really help veterans in different areas? Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. This is kind of an exciting time for the trust fund. Uh, we've had a fewer over the course of the last several years, uh, fewer applications to our emergency grant program. And uh, it's understandable with uh, a fewer number of veterans and so forth. But the board of trustees looked at that as well, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here to try to find other ways to assist veterans. So with that, uh, they, they uh, learned about and, and found uh, this Michigan Veteran Entrepreneur Lab uh, through Grand Valley State University. And we began collaborating with them and supporting them in their entrepreneurial training for veterans, veterans that are interested in starting businesses and expanding that, uh, making it more available, uh, available to more veterans throughout the state. Uh, so we've had uh, cohorts, additional classes in um, uh, Detroit and in and one just started up in Ann Arbor. Uh, we'll be having another one in Macomb in the spring and and be going on and trying to expand that program, getting it out there for more veterans to take advantage of. We also uh, have been working with Zero Day and they do some great work down there in uh, Southwestern uh, Michigan primarily, but uh, they have been helping veterans in uh, like with apprenticeships and getting them trained up in different areas. One of those areas is the food industry. 
and they they trained veterans to work in the food industry. They had an opportunity to expand into doing uh, a food trailer, like a food. So training veterans for food, the food, mobile food truck industry. And uh, the board of trustees was able to uh, help them with that by buying them a food trailer to get that program uh, going to, to assist veterans with with that. And so it's exciting. It's, it's, uh, look, thinking, kind of thinking outside the box and trying to find other ways that we can help veterans. And you already mentioned the 65 plus peacetime program. That's another, another thing that came about where, uh, for a long time, we've been asked, can we assist peacetime veterans? And, and we, basically the board of trustees looked at it and said, now we can, you know, we, we just, they created the new program. So veterans, uh, that are from a peacetime era, uh, that are 65 and older, and they wouldn't normally have been eligible for an emergency grant, but but now now uh, with this new program, they are. Well, that's great. And so, you know, John, I would just ask this question because maybe maybe people don't know how much how much does it cost for them to to for someone to be able to get access to DD214 or any utilize any of the resources and services you have. Thank you for asking that question because we get so frustrated within the MVRSC, the Michigan Veteran Resource Service Center, when someone calls in and said, I just paid $50 to get my DD-214 and it only took a week. Well, guess what? We can get it to you same day and it's free. It costs you nothing. We have over 800,000 DD-214 discharge paperwork records for Michigan veterans that are in our system. And if you call us at 1-800-642-4838, I got to get that in there, 1-800-642-4838, that's 1-800-MICHVET, we can get you that DD-214 same day and it costs you nothing. We cannot refer you to any service that costs any money. So if you need help, I don't care if it's employment, education, I don't care if it is for a emergent need, I don't care if you're hungry, we're going to help you and the cost is zero. That's absolutely wonderful. I hope you all heard that. Please share that word. And, and Lindell, same for you. Like, is there an application fee? What does it cost for someone to maybe go through that process? Uh, no fee at all. So uh, same thing. We are here to serve veterans and those veterans that are facing emergent financial needs. Uh, the, the assistance is free and we're going to you know, take care of you in the best way that we can and get that application through. And again, uh, when it comes to, to actually getting that payment on time, we, uh, we go out of our way. We, we, uh, it has happened. It's, I'm not saying we do this every day, but, but uh, it has happened that we have actually purchased a, a furnace for, in this case, it was a, a widow of a veteran uh, in one day. Uh, this was February, so it was cold. Mm -hmm. And uh, we found out about it uh, on a Friday morning and by the end of the day, we had uh, payment to the um, to the uh, vendor or the the installer that was going to put in the furnace the very next day. So well, both of you all have rock star teams, so that doesn't seem like it was impossible at all. I know it was probably a challenge, but you have team members who are they're either veterans or they're connected to veterans, family members of veterans, and so they get it, they understand it, and they care about the. The, the programs and they care about the veterans that we serve. So that's, that's, that's how you're able to get there. That speaks volumes. You know, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you both, um, you know, for those who are listening, maybe advocates, people in the community that serve veterans, can you talk about just real quickly, the top three issues that or things that you see, maybe it's in the last month, the last year, but like the top three type of calls that you receive. So people know what, what the needs are. 
I would say, Director, for the Resource Service Center, um, it's particularly really lately, we're dealing with issues with uh, homelessness and, and issues with rent. You would think that with the the, the stay on, on rental and stuff, that that would not be a problem, but we just have get an, a, a large increase in calls just recently as it pertains to homelessness and rent. Food insecurities is a big one for us. Fortunately, we have a lot of great resources if somebody does call in for that, including the trust fund who has helped us with food insecurity in the past, but food insecurity is a big one. And a Again, the, the, the largest call we get outside of 214s is that veteran looking to get connected to the benefits that they've earned and have coming to them. So those are, those are the three biggies that I'd mention. All right, Lindell, real quick. Yeah, on the trust fund side, uh, definitely utilities is by far the most that we uh, type of grants that we pay out. But uh, we've also seen a lot more wells and septic systems uh, recently. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, anyone who's out there serving veterans, these are some of the needs that we're seeing through the calls and the 30,000 in a year that we're seeing. And so um, these are definitely helpful. Thank you so much, both of you for joining and talking about the great programs that you're running um, within the MBAA and the trust fund. Um, thanks so much. All right. Thank, Thank you. you for asking us, Thank director. You. Thank you. And for those listening out there, don't forget, you can call us at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. If you need connection to any of these resources and benefits that we have, we didn't even talk about all of them. And then if you're struggling and you just need to talk to someone, don't hesitate to call the crisis line, the Veterans Crisis Line at 988-PRESS-1. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on the Veterans